You are listening to the Give Me Five podcast special edition, Give Me One, on Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 5. F-I-V-E, 5. East Watch. E-A-S-T, Watch. <laughs> Real talk. I needed to do this song. Yeah, I'm a nerd. It's a big secret, but I'm a nerd. And I love these books. If you watch it on HBO and think you know what's going on, I appreciate that. The people who waited five years for dance, this one's for you. Check it. Yeah. So... This episode starts with, uh, I guess we find out pretty quickly, the fate of Jamie and Braun. Yeah, right out of the gate. <laughs> right out of the gate. I, I was concerned that they were going to kind of leave that. That they were going to pull a Walking Dead and leave you wondering for uh, I mean, half a season? Did you guys really think that was it for Jamie and Braun? No. 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 And and the more and more I see Braun, the more and more I like him. Because the interaction that he has with Jamie after pulling him out of the river is just hilarious. It's it's really funny. Um, I like Bron so much more than I do Jamie, and we'll get to why later on in the episode. But as you said, um, Bron calls Jamie, and we're going to have to bleep this out, calls Jamie a cunt. He says, what were you doing? Um, you know, you're not dying until— You're very brave. I'm very bad at the timing of the beeps. You know this. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, you know, Bron says you to Jamie, "You can't die until you give me what you owe me." Basically, he says, "You exactly. can't kill yourself. Danny can't kill you. Cersei can't kill you. I'm the only one who can kill you until you pay me." Yeah, Bron has been the most consistent character and like the most unapologetic, which makes him likable. He's like, "Look, this is what I am. Mm -hmm. You give me money, I do what you want me to do. There's certain lines I won't cross, and he's funny." And I believe. I believe they may have set us up for a side switching from uh, Bron switching sides to Danny's side. But we'll get to that later. Take us through the episode, Jimmy. Keep going. All right. So after... Well, my fav one of my favorite lines in that, in that opening sequence is when he says that basically you're screwed. And Jamie's like, don't you mean us? And he's like, no, I don't. Yeah. Dragons is where my loyalty stops. <laughs> you know, Jamie says something to the effect of, oh, my God. She she's got a dragon. They did all that, and it's well. They she's got two more. So if they decide to really use those dragons, then we're screwed. So let's figure this out. Uh, speaking of dragons, we um, see what's left of the Lannister army, which is not that ashes, much. ashes, ashes, small fires, small fires, and a bunch of haggard. Soldiers uh, standing in front of Daenerys and Drogon. And that shot was pretty awesome. Yeah. With Agreed. Drogon on top of the, the hill. In the uh, background behind Danny. In yeah. the background, looking massive. And thankfully not worse for the wear from that bolt that it took in the shoulder. Fortunately. I think. I don't know anymore. But you know, here's Daenerys again on her power trip. Um Bend if, the knee. <laughs> maybe we thought she. Yeah, I just okay. Well, Bend and I gotta knee. admit, I, I had, I had an argument with, um, with a coworker today actually about this, this particular scene, um, because basically what happens is she offers them a choice: bend the knee or die. And um, Tarly, uh, Sam's father and Sam's brother, both refuse to bend the knee. But since they were in charge of the army, she's got to make an example out of them. So she takes them and basically. And burns them down. A spoiler warning, by the way. 
spoiler warning. In case warning. we missed that at the beginning of the episode, spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah, it's a review show. They should know that by now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so she burns them down, but they but you know the person I was talking to was like, she didn't have to do that. I don't like where she's going. She's turning evil, and I'm like, no, 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 no. She had to do that. She gave them the option. She said, she said, bend to the knee or die. And they made their choice. She burned them down. Everybody else took a knee. All right. Yeah. But the and Tyrion says, well, you know, you could make them prisoners. And and my point was was that Danny is the breaker of chains. She can't bring back prisoners because prisoners look too much like slaves. She can't let her people who she freed from slavery see that she's taking what they could interpret as slaves. That's a really good point, and I absolutely hate agreeing with you on anything, Rob. I know. So that means I it's know. a really, really good point. Exactly. But so she can't afford to take prisoners. It's either bend the knee or die. And and I know that Tyrion really doesn't like that. He really feels – and you can see that as he's walking around the Ashen battlefield where he's like, oh, you know, what have I done? He's got that what have I done well, there's a good chance that he knows some of those people. Well, yeah, that as well. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at your show notes, man. They're they're so funny. Roast Tarly. I do like an old-fashioned Tarly roast. <laughs> <laughs> and it sure was. Hey, guess uh, what? They just made Sam a lord. Oh, that's true. That um, Another excellent point. Sam is now Lord Tarly. <laughs> so if – when On episode one – not of Game of Thrones, but of the Give Me Five podcast, Rob informed us that he really likes medieval stuff, and it's really paying off on these reviews again. Because <laughs> you are so smooth with, like, who becomes what and what the individual ruling classes are and all that stuff, and it's it's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I, I am Greg sad that we will, anyone's name. I, I, I am sad that we will get no more dick-on jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was one final one. Please do not make a dick-on joke while I'm drinking some tea. <laughs> <laughs> so Jamie walks in. He storms past Bill Nye, the Lannister guy, and he's talking to Cersei, and he tells her, look, she had one dragon and just basically routed us. She's got two more, and on top of that, she's got the Dothraki, and it doesn't matter how many soldiers we've got. They're better fighters, basically, and that's the gist of Jamie's conversation, and, and Cersei's not too pleased to hear that. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like, well, you know, we got we to gotta try and find another way out of this. And she's like, what do you what do you suggest? We surrender? She's like, we can surrender and die or fight and die. I know what my choice is. And as a soldier, you I know what your choice should be, basically, kind of like putting him down. And and we get this this momentary this momentary uncertainty from Jamie or the or the realization that, ah, crap, we're kind of in this until the end now, aren't we? And and then he drops the then he drops the uh, bomb on Cersei about Olena. And how she was the one responsible for Joffrey's death. And initially, I thought I was going to be right and that she just wasn't going to believe it and not listen to it anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, She says, oh, was this, you know, before or after you gave her the easy way out? And, you know, of course she's going to say that. Right. And and by the way, she rubs that in his face a little bit, too. So. Oh, yeah. So, um, you know, it 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 is not going well between Cersei and Jamie. Jamie is trying. Jamie is kind of being logical about it, and Cersei is all in. <laughs> she's 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 taken her she's taken her five cards. She hasn't looked at him, and she's all in. She's like, whatever, we're doing this. <laughs> it's like, oh my yeah. gosh! All like, right, uh, maybe you should listen to reason. They did something really cool on the audio cue before they cut to the next scene, and. 
I'm I'm kind of focused on that stuff now because I'm in, kind of in the middle of reading a book about about film editing, and they actually had the dragon, the sound of the dragon happen just kind of to remind the viewers as Jamie is talking to Cersei about just how dangerous the dragons are that the sound that preceded the next scene happened while you were still looking at Cersei and and Jamie. I thought it was a cool cue, and I'm going to tell a little bit of a story here, but it reminded me of a psychological experiment I did where you were kind of put in a room and forced improv with people that you didn't know and someone was supposed to be your wife and was asking you to do something illegal. Like, you know, it's just a little bit of drugs. Can't you just put it in your trunk? And they had sound cues, and as you were deciding whether or not to do it, they played the sound cue of a police siren, like, off in the distance. And they said that, like, 80 to 90% of the people, as soon as they hear that siren, say no. Whereas if they didn't play the sound cue, people would say yes. And it was kind of just a weird little note to me that just to kind of remind people of the dragon and the dangers that these characters face if you happen to forget the previous episode of like an entire army getting scorched. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and in previous episodes, we've we've established that they're they're actually doing a very excellent job with their transition from scene to scene. I found this one very interesting because you know, we we've seen it so many times where they do a, a very clever video edit, a very clever video transition. And and this one I almost for a second thought, wait, is a dragon at King's Landing? I thought so too. I thought they were going to cut out the win- cut out to the window and just have one kind of flying overhead like look at me. Oh. I'm right on your shore. But no, we cut to um you know that dragon is is the sound of Danny uh returning to Dragonstone with a very scared looking Jon Snow um brooding and, again. And we get our first hint that or our first visual hint, our first confirmation basically that um that the dragons can recognize targaryen blood i agree drogon lands right down on the cliff walks right up to Jon snow bellows at him and john is like oh that's a dragon but then drogon kind of gets in close kind of gives him a little sniff and john kind of very cautiously takes off his glove and reaches out and touches Drogon and on the muzzle. blows Drogon a kiss. Yes, he does. It was a very tender <laughs> moment, and it was a very how-to-train-your-dragon moment. It was a very unsettling moment. Yeah, John looked really nervous about it, but the dragon just let him touch him and then just kind of looked at him and then kind of looked up at Danny as she's getting off her shoulder. But as John's touching Drogon on the nose, Danny's kind of leaning over Drogon's shoulder going, WTF? Yeah, What is going really on see. down there? Her her view is obscured. She looks worried. Um, and, she looks and worried for John. Realize, then when she realizes what's happening, she looks kind of intrigued. And and I don't know about you guys, but like as the episode went on, I I was having a hard time determining whether or not she was she was intrigued by John or kind of smitten by John. Yeah, um, I think it might Some be a little bit of both. Some of the looks she was given, I was like, now, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not sure if they can push the incest is bad because the, the Lannisters are doing it thing. Right. And then well, immediately turn around and being like, but it could also be good, too, if people you like are doing it. I think that that's going to be right out. Well, but but don't forget that the um, the Targaryens for their for their entire entire um, history married within the family to keep their blood pure. Yes, they did. So for the Targaryens, that's not something that that is unheard of. True. You know what I, mean? I explained some things. I had the same thought, um, but 
with you know, I keep going to this um, with what nine episodes left. There's a few things, and I just see that one as one of them. Like, mm, I don't really think that's going to go anywhere. However, we do have an interesting conversation between the two of them, where Danny again asks John about taking a dagger to the heart for his people, yeah. and just when you think that maybe John might come clean, he, he dances you know, away. <laughs> he dances out of it. He he parries. You know, that that question. And um, he says, well, you know, Davos is he's old and his diaper needs to be changed. And and right when that's about to be questioned, we have a Dothraki escort uh, coming up to meet John and Danny and out from behind the Dothraki captain, I guess we'll say steps. Greg, how did you describe him? In steps, Jorah Mormont, the Lord Protector of the Friend Zone, returns and gets a hug. Oh, big hug, big hug. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty sweet moment. Um, I did. Too. It was a tender yeah. moment, yes. Jorah's back. He's, he, she says, you look good. And, uh, you know, he, he finds a cure. And, and, you know, when Jorah goes off, when he is afflicted with Dragon Scale, um, Danny says, find a cure and come back to me. And he does. So I thought it was sweet. And and we have the first meeting of Jon Snow and Jorah Mormont, who is the son of the Lord Commander that Jon Snow took over for. So Jon Snow knew Jorah's father. And in fact, Jon Snow is wearing Jorah's father's sword. And, and nobody made any comments about that. Jorah didn't notice. Jorah didn't say anything. And I, I, I kept waiting for him to notice and say something, but he never did. I was like... I was like, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, that's that's your family sword, there, boss. You gonna, you gonna say anything? <laughs> so he has, he has more than one sword now, because I thought he only had Longclaw. Is that his sword? That was no, that was the sword that Mormont gave him. Longclaw was a sword that Mormont gave him, if I'm not mistaken. When he was, when he was in the Night Watch, I don't know if it was when he took over oh, or if, or if when department. he, yes, research department. Um. I don't know if it was when he was took when he took over um, when Mormont was dying if he handed it to him or if he gave it to him when he became his um, his assistant so to speak. <clears throat> Long claws of Valerian steel steel sword that was the ancestral weapon of House Mormont for five centuries. When Lord J.R. Mormont retired from lordship to take the black, he passed it to his son and heir, Sir Jorah Mormont, which was eventually given to Jon Snow as a reward for saving his life from a white. Ding ding, Rob is correct. There you go. So he's got Jorah's family sword and never said never said crap about it. I was I was just like I kept waiting for him to say something. I'm like, bro, that's, that's your sword, man. He's got your sword. You gonna say anything? <laughs> what are you gonna do about that, Dragon Skin Man? So after Captain our of the friend zone, <laughs> uh, after our our you know touching tender reunion, um, <laughs> we've got creepy Bran. Devoid of any emotion, with his eyes rolled back into his head, uh, seemingly warged into a group of he's, ravens. He's getting stronger because yeah. he's now con he's now controlling a whole flock of ravens as opposed to just mm -hmm. one. Correct. And we ju we see how massive and how close the army of the dead actually is. Oh, how awesome was that when the ravens just flew over the army and it was just like. The, the smoke or the haze kind of cleared, and then you saw all the freaking zombies just kind of shambling around. It, it was awesome, and 
it kind of made you my you know your your gut twist up a little bit because that's not some small raid group. There's a lot of them, and it seems like they're relatively close to East East Watch as well. They are, yeah. Um, you know the Ravens they're they're flying over, and it's revealed that the Night King is there with his um, constituents on kind of almost like an island in the Sea of the Dead. And as soon as the Ravens get close enough and the Night King gives them blue steel, they break apart. And well played, Jimmy. Thank you. I was wondering if that was if that was a startled move by Bran or if he lost connection with them for a moment. Good point. I didn't even think about that. I thought I thought it was a startle moment, but perhaps the Night King forces connection away. There is some connection between the two of them. That I've, I remember vaguely from past episodes. I, I tend to, unfortunately, tune out a little bit when the Bran stuff comes on. But it also could be because because Bran was spreading his power over, you know, a, over a dozen ravens. So. so, moving on, we are hanging out with Sam. Oh, Sam. A little bit, having a little bit of a conversation with Gilly while looking upon scrolls, if I remember correctly. Well, and, first he oh. first he's uh, in the meeting with... Um, oh, yes. With yes. all the maesters, and they're they're basically poo pooing the the raven that they got about the dead coming in, and yeah. Sam Sam basically speaks up for um for John and says, "No, I've seen them. You know, we need to prepare." And they they kind of believe him, or they don't really believe him, but he's he's honest enough and he um he's earned enough i guess respect from them that they they're not willing to completely dismiss it out of hand yeah so they kind of kind of say they're gonna uh, look well, in we'll look into it. right right they're gonna look into it they're not because initially they were they were just like man these guys are crazy they're crazy whatever but when sam spoke up they're like well you know we'll look into it. but we also find out that sam doesn't know he's a lord yet because the Archmaester hasn't told them that his father and brother were burned down. Yeah, as soon as Sam leaves the room, you know, uh, the pork chop maester leans in and says, Does he know about his dad and his brother? So he does. It seems like information and people move around much quicker there than they do here. Well, we've only got two episodes left. They can't, they can't film all the travel time. I expect episodes to go by for information to travel around and like, like, heck, right now I'm waiting for a phone call that's about 30 minutes late. I'm just saying. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, the, you're right. You know, they, they can't really dilly dally too much going back just a little bit within this episode. Um, like I was saying, I was really surprised that they cut so quickly from Jamie washing up on the shore to being in Cersei's, you know, back at King's Landing because, I fully expected a long hobbit type journey. Yeah. And I I'm I'm glad and like I said earlier, I wasn't expecting things to happen so fast. And and one of the things that I didn't see in your notes that um that I thought was really interesting. I was pointing it out and I was I was like jumping up and down. I'm like, "Oh, oh, there it is, there it is, there it is." In the in the next scene where Sam and Gilly are uh, kind of pouring over the the notes and stuff, they started the information train. Whoop whoop, information train coming through. They mm -hmm. uh they opened up the uh, the first little tidbit that everybody else might be able to find out about John's past. As um, right. as they're looking at the scrolls, Gilly looks down and she's looking at all the ridiculous stuff that was recorded by this arch by this archmaster like 
Yeah, I was there for the ridiculous stuff. I actually stepped out to get a glass of water. <laughs> really? That's why it's not in my notes. Oh, but wow. I heard about, I heard the, uh, about the number of stairs and things like that. And then I, I yes. ran very quickly to the kitchen to get some water and came back. And so what she, what she, what she points out was she asks Sam – as he's trying to like copy stuff down, she asks him, what's an annulment? And he tells her what it is. And she says, why would he record this? And he, and she basically says, reads what he wrote that he performed an annulment for Prince Targaryen and his wife. And then I think she kind of goes on to mumble something about a marriage, but we she's, don't really hear what's going on after that. Cause Sam is getting irritated. Yeah. She specifically says Rhaegar and right then, you know, Sam is kind of building up. He's getting agitated about how he came there to do this thing and they won't listen to him. But he, his, you know, outburst cuts kind of pushes off. that up. It cuts her off exactly. Yeah. Which was, it's like, oh, 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 <laughs> really? We're all about to find out. So close. So after his tirade or what have you, uh, we're showing, you know, Sam goes out, grabs all these scrolls, steals all these books from the library. Hoping to identify some way to fight the uh, the whites. And to get rid of the threat for good. Correct. The Night King. And he takes off with, with Gilly and, and Gilly's son. Adorable son. Sam. Off into the night. Yeah. Little Sam. Uh, off into the night in a wagon. A radio flyer. Into the desert with no food or water, leaving paradise. Wrong movie. Oh, leaving comfort behind. <laughs> Shall we move on to Varys or Varys? Varys and Tyrion. Yep, they're having a nice little Have conversation. Have a moment. Mm -hmm. did, uh, did we know that Varys used to serve Danny's father? I did not know that. Yes, I'm because... sure it could be assumed, but I didn't well, remember that part. I, I think at some point during the during the show, they've mentioned that um, Varys has served on all the small councils, and that and very recently they mentioned yeah, and that he's he's been there, you know, for a while. And because he's so good at what he does, everybody kind of retains. So using his quote-unquote little birds, he was able to bring traitors to the Aegon. Mad King. Yeah. yeah, to Aegon the Mad King and, and get them basically torched as well. He sort of regrets that. At least and he's showing I, some I, regret. And I think we were having a little conversation between Tyrion and Varys about, you know, regrets. And, and because Tyrion was really shook up about the whole Tarly burning thing. Yes. Um and and Varys was sharing his his uh, experiences with the Mad King about how you know he used to tell himself that it wasn't him doing it and you know trying to right. alleviate some of the guilt that he felt as well. He may have set up their deaths, but he didn't pull the trigger, and that's how he sleeps. And he takes a long drink of wine, and they just both kind of sigh. Ah, uh, yes. So, our our big plan is then revealed when John receives a note, I'm sorry, a, a raven, and finds out that not only is Arya alive, but Bran is also alive, and they are both at Winterfell. And Bran has seen the Night King. That's also in the note, and they're very close. <laughs> yes. So what do we do? And it's our first mention of something other than just absolutely torching the Lannisters and taking over the Iron Throne. It's, it's our first kind of... It, Hang on, maybe we should um we should go take care of this problem first, and maybe we should um try and get help from the Lannisters. Mm -hmm. And but how Cersei are they going to? Never do that? gonna agree to help, right? Unless maybe 
she sees one of the dead. And so, so this the plan is, of This is a fantastic idea, by the way. Nothing could possibly go wrong. Oh, not at all. And just go, really? How are you going to lasso one of them away from yeah, so, that army? Are you just yeah, going to, so, like, dangle a piece of meat out? The plan is to, to capture a white and bring mm. it to show Cersei to make her believe in the dead. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, well, okay. <laughs> we got to do something to kill some people off, I guess. <laughs> so the plan, I guess, that they've devised is to set up a meeting with Jamie and Cersei. Um, Daenerys is planning on offering an armistice. Armistice? Yes? Yes. Ceasefire? Um, mm-hmm. She's planning on offering an armistice while they deal with the dead problem. And and so at this meeting, she intends to bring this white, or her and John intend to bring this white to show Cersei to get her to believe and see that there's bigger fish to fry, so to speak. And somehow I think that's going to backfire. This is the first part of the show that seemed like a, almost like a modern heist movie where like some ridiculous thing has to happen in order for all of these things to fall in line to get this white to Cersei to then cause another plan to happen. It just seemed very modern and very this, much like a this has now become winter's 1990s problem. Yeah, <laughs> I was about to say Game of Oceans Eleven. This is now Winter's Eleven. That was my initial thought, but because everything so far on the show has seemed so big, and and it's you know, Rob, you're right. Uh, she, you know, they do mention an armistice, a, a ceasefire, not so much allying with right. the Lannister army, but you're right. Time out. <laughs> Hang on, guys. So yeah, so it's um. I, I'm not quite sure how that's going to go, especially with the conversation that Jamie and Cersei have later. We'll get to that. But I, I'm really going to be mad if Cersei ends up winning. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna feel. I'm gonna feel cheated, and it's probably going to, to color my opinion of this entire series if Cersei ends up winning this. I don't thing. think that the showrunners would do that, considering I think they have other things planned afterwards. And I think they got to have positive payoff if they're going to do an, an inevitable prequel possibly a movie those kind of things well so john john has left and is headed back to to winterfell or even the east watch i don't know that he even stops in winterfell but we stop in winterfell and see what sansa's dealing with while uh john is away and they're still kind of unhappy that that john has left and they're talking about putting sansa in charge permanently and sansa sansa actually won't hear any of it she listens to him, but she's like, no, John is king. You know, every time we're in that room, I really kind of want some of that Guinness beef stew from that restaurant at, at Universal Studios. Finnegan's. Oh, their Guinness beef stew is so good. Yeah. I Sorry, it's, it, we're back to theme parks again. But every time we're in that room with the dark wood tables and stuff, I'm like, I would like Guinness some beef, beef stew. Guinness beef stew, please. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, okay, please. Sorry. Back to Sansa as she is done hearing out the council. And um, she meets up with Arya, and Arya kind of questions her her loyalty and to John, and not so much in a nice way. And in fact, not while really. She, while she was doing it, I'm like, you, you're you're kind of being a little witch, and and I and I intentionally mispronounced that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she she was, and and I'm like, well, that that was kind of uncalled for and and it's one of the few times that i've actually sided with sansa because and usually in a lot of decision making processes sansa is not the most reliable right and and she's really just trying to keep the peace until john does get back although Arya's uh suggestion is that she cuts their heads off yeah 
And and Arya is all all fire and murder, and Sansa has learned a little bit of tempering and and has been disillusioned enough that she knows what she needs and she knows, you know, she's learned a little bit about politics. And mm-hmm. she's Sansa's work in the room and Arya's just like, make him do it. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm I'm a little uh little worried about our oh no i guess that's later on we'll 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 get to that um but i'm a little worried about Arya. so before we get to that rob we've got the onion knight sir davos and Tyrion arriving on the shores of king's landing because they got to present the idea of getting the dead body to cersei somehow so the only way that they can do that is by setting up a meeting with jamie lannister Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And the way they do that is it's pretty funny, I think. Um, we we cut to, you know, after uh, Davos says, all right, well, I've got some business to attend to in Flea Bottom. And Tyrion's just kind of like, how am I supposed to get? I, I'm like the only dwarf with a scar on his face. Um, am I going to be okay? And then we cut to Bronn leading Jamie down into the bowels of King's Landing. Where all the um, dragon skulls where, are. Yes, exactly. And as Bronn is leading Jamie down, he's explaining that they've come down there to train. And Jamie says, well, why'd you bring me down here? And just as a kind of flash thought through my head, I was like, you're looking at all these dragon skulls that, oh man, maybe Bronn's taking them down there to show that they've created another weapon to repel the dragons. But that's not the case. Yeah, because uh, he's talking about training. We'll, right. we'll train down here. You don't want anybody to see you with that with that crappy sword, right? <laughs> with that crappy sword arm, right? So. Yeah, with with you know wielding a sword in your your wrong hand, and and Jamie says, well, you know maybe this is the time that I'll I'll accidentally um, kill you, which and then we Bron- find out, <laughs> yeah, that uh, that Tyrion, who's good buddies with Bronn, because remember Bronn worked for Tyrion <laughs> first, um, yes, has has set Jamie up. And Bronn has brought Jamie to Tyrion. And yep. it almost looks like he's going to, or he really wants to kill Tyrion. He does. And, and he tells him that. He yes. said, I, uh, you know, Jamie says, the next time I, I said, the next time I saw you, I would cut you in half. And <laughs> Tyrion just, gives him a great line. <laughs> great line. It would take you Tyrion. a long time with that training sword. <laughs> yeah. So as, as high emotion as that scene is, um, Tyrion breaks the ice a little bit and explains their situation and explains their plan to Jaime. And and I really think that that with as much animosity as Jaime currently has towards Tyrion, I mean, it, it's obvious that Jaime still loves him, and it's obvious that Tyrion still loves Jaime. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole brotherly link is still there, and and Tyrion presents him with Danny's proposal about the armistice and the meeting and all of that um and and jamie's skeptical but he believes Tyrion, and that's probably part of the reason why he didn't kill him because he doesn't kill him mm-hmm. and it, it's it's a kind of a teary meeting you kind of get the feels and um, a little bit yeah and and it's and Tyrion basically puts the ball in Jamie and Cersei's court. He presents the deal to Jamie, and Jamie's got to go deliver it to Cersei. And before we see that, we see an old friend. Uh, Gendry is finally done rowing. He's been rowing for five <laughs> seasons. 
Yes. And from the looks, and I was, and the he looks of his arms. The blacksmith. Yep. Yep. And from the look of his arms, the rowing did him some good. You know, from the way he wielded that giant hammer. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I saw Davos. Go ahead. I saw Davos walk into the blacksmith's shop, and I'm sitting there going. Oh, is Gendry back? Gendry's back! <laughs> yeah. And Gendry was so excited to see him that before Davos could even explain what was happening and what the purpose was of of this meeting, Gendry just says, yep, I'm ready to go. Let's go. Yep. And Davos says, <laughs> Davos is like, I, I, I don't want you to mention to anyone that you're the last, you know, you are the <laughs> remaining son of Robert Baratheon. Yeah. You are just Clovis. A blacksmith that I'm bringing to help the war effort in the north. Yeah. Gendry says, "Okay, I got you, man." And they make their way back to the boat. And Gendry tosses his hammer in the boat. Yep. Yeah, and <laughs> and then they get caught by guards and yep. two gold cloaks. I'm convinced that these are possibly the same guards that were just up there at Winterfell. It's like oh, they, they can't be possibly four guards that are this incapable. That. Yeah, <laughs> and. Well, and they and they totally and Davos totally bribes them, and they're they're walking off. And as they're walking off, Tyrion is walking back, and Tyrion kind of stops in his tracks, and he's like, "Ah, oh, crap! You gotta be kidding <laughs> me, right? <laughs> Nowhere to go but forward." So and he, he just kind of he just keeps he's walking. trying to, yeah, he's kind of trying to shield his face a little bit. And uh, we get the, these two bumbling guards as they're walking away. They look back, and they look back again, and they go. I'm going to do a really bad accent. I apologize, but something to the effect of, hey, we was looking for a dwarf with a scar on his face. Just, <laughs> just like that one. <laughs> just like that one there. So, you know, this after the fermented crab situation. Uh, <laughs> Davos gross. distracted him with fermented crab, and they were walking away, and Tyrion just brought him right back. So Davos distracts him again, and what happens, Greg? Uh, oh. Gendry uh, pulverizes their faces. With, uh, <laughs> it was so great with that warhammer. I was like, "Dang!" <laughs> the warhammer that was uh, that had the symbol of House Baratheon. Yeah, and and wasn't wasn't the warhammer uh, Robert Baratheon's like uh, signature weapon? It was. It was his weapon of choice. Yeah, and and he's pretty good with it. Yeah. Made really made really quick work of those of those uh, bumbling <laughs> guards. That, that was so satisfying. It really kind of was. He, he just grabbed the hammer and goes, "Well, all right, I guess this is it." Bam, bam. And Davos just goes, "All right, then, let's go." And and was I was I the only one who, as they were leaving, I was like, "Davos, what are you doing? Get your thirty gold back." <laughs> yeah, but he didn't. I, I was thinking gold. he just thing. left it there. Yep, just kind of shrugged his shoulders. They got in the boat. Headed back to the north. So here's the part where Jamie is talking to Cersei. And not to be confused with the other part where Jamie is talking to Cersei. Um, where they're discussing a little bit of an armistice. And Cersei does mention that she thinks you should punish Bronn for tricking him into going down. For, for tricking Jamie into going down to talk to Tyrion. Right. Yeah, and... And that's what I was talking know, about as far as Bronn maybe switching sides. Because if he's going to get... if. If they're looking to punish Bronn, I don't think Bronn will hang around for that. And and Cersei's just crazy enough to push through on it. She's got a wild look in her eyes. I don't like it. So Jamie, well, perhaps that's why. That's because possible spoiler alert. Even though I hate saying that, possibly because Cersei's pregnant. Yeah, but I don't really uh, think she is. I think she's I don't playing think so either, Jamie. But... I think she's playing Jamie. Um, I well, think she realizes that Jamie's slipping away. 
and she needs something yeah. to control him. And just the look on her face as she was giving him a hug, and he was he was so elated, and was like, "Oh yes, this is perfect. We have our we have a child again." And mm-hmm. and now Jamie's all in again. And I'm like, "Jamie, wake up!" Exactly. That's exactly how I felt. And I just kind of rolled my eyes, but you know, there was there was a good line in there, and and a kind of reminder of who they are. Where so Jamie asks Cersei, "Who are you going to say is the father?" And Cersei says, well, you. And Jamie says, well, what? You, uh, don't people frown on that? I, I mean, haven't we been, th- been through this whole thing before? And Cersei reminds Jamie of something that their father said, where the lion does not concern himself with the opinions of the sheep. And that, again, just kind of, okay, we're on this family kit. Well, and I may, I may have misheard that because initially I took it as – because I thought Jamie asked her who the father was. I didn't think he asked her, who are you going to say the father is? I thought he actually asked her who the father was. And to me, I was like, oh, wait a minute. Jamie thinks something might be going on because he hasn't been – she hasn't been all that um, lovey-dovey with him, so to speak. And I thought he was uncertain of who the father was. Um, so I may have just I may have just misheard it. But I thought that was also an interesting point that Jamie was no longer sure that he would be the father. I was like, oh, what's going on there? But um, yeah, Cersei, Cersei now has her claws deep into Jamie again. Which would suck because Jamie's had a little bit of a hero's journey where you saw change. You saw the Brienne stuff. You saw humanity. Um, even though he was the Kingslayer, he was the Kingslayer for, the, for a right reason. Right. So while he took it as a badge of dishonor, in a way, it was a badge of honor, but he's going back to his old ways, possibly. He's, it, I, I feel like Jamie is regressing. Yeah. And well, it drives long, me nuts. As long as Cersei's around, he's going to continue to do that. Well, um, Davos and Gendry get back to Dragonstone, and, and Davos <laughs> takes Gendry and says, Remember, you're nobody. You're here. You're a blacksmith. I brought you here to to work in the in the forges because you're a good blacksmith. And blah 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 blah. Don't tell anybody that you're Robert Baratheon. I'm Robert son. Baratheon's bastard son. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, what were you saying? I literally laughed out loud when he walked up and introduced Gendry to um to Jon Snow because Gendry just walked up and did everything that Davos told him not to do. He's like, "Hey, I'm Jon. I'm I'm Robert Baratheon's bastard son." <laughs> And, they, and Davos was like, wait a minute, what? Yeah, and they have a very Robert Baratheon, Ned Stark interaction to where, oh, I thought you were, would be this. And, you know, Gendry says, you're smaller you, than you're your much father. shorter. Well, you're shorter. And and John gives this um, this kind of fake look of, you know, where he takes offense before cracking up. And that's actually a throwback to very early in Game of Thrones at the meeting between Robert Baratheon and Ned Stark, which was a very similar conversation where Ned Stark pretended to be offended before breaking out into laughter and they embraced. So yeah, there was some pretty good camaraderie in this episode. This being one of the one of the scenes, Gendry and and uh, Davos being yeah. another and then and a lot stuff more coming at the up. end. So as we alluded to earlier, we show, you know, Sam leaving the Citadel. Um, and he's out to make his mark because he, as he says, is tired of reading about achievements of better men and he is out to be one of those better men. Yeah. 
And I think I think Sam's got a huge role to play, not only because he's the he's the research department for um, Jon Snow, um, mm-hmm. but also because he's now the Lord. Uh, he's now Lord Tarly, so he'll have he'll have an important part to play as well. I think on both fronts. I don't think it's just going to be the research that uh, Sam's responsible for. No, I think if I remember reading this correctly, that George R. R. Martin said that. Sam is basically him in this story. Oh, there's a surprise. Like he sees, like he sees himself as <laughs> Sam. Right. So that wouldn't I be a surprise that. that he has a big part to play with information, even though yeah. he started off as a coward. So we're... Uh, back to Winterfell. Back to Winterfell and Littlefinger being Littlefinger. And this I kind believe of... I wrote Littlefinger be Littlefingering. Thank you very much. <laughs> you did write that. Um, where... You know, Arya is kind of shadowing him and really kind of seeing what he's up to, talking to different people. And then he is brought a scroll by one of his subjects, by one of the subjects at Winterfell. And he makes sure to say, while Arya is watching him from the shadows, he makes sure to say, oh, this is the last copy of in Winterfell, right? And the subject says, well, yeah. So Littlefinger recedes into his quarters, presumably to put said scroll away, exits, locks the door. Arya goes in behind, after some searching around, finds the scroll. And there further um, deepens her dissension towards towards Sansa by what the scroll said. Now, Do you guys I, know what the scroll said? I missed what the scroll said, so I'm going to have to have you fill me in on that. Because I, I couldn't. Yeah, I didn't remember that either. And I think a lot of people didn't because as soon as the episode was over, I started Googling what did the you know, Game of Thrones, what did the and like it finished. It automatically like scroll say. If you if you do Google that now, um, it is the scroll. It is the scroll that Sansa sent via Raven to Rob Stark when she was put under duress by Littlefinger and Cersei. To say that to Rob, the only way that Ned Stark, his life will be spared is if you bend the knee to my dear Joffrey. And in the scene where Rob Stark is reading that scroll, the maester says, yes, that's Sansa's handwriting, but those are the queen's words. Now, Arya doesn't know that. So Arya reads it as, oh, wow. So maybe Sansa was in Joffrey's corner this whole time. And she had already questioned her loyalty, and that just deepens it even further. And after she reads this, she puts it away. She comes out, locks the door. We see Littlefinger with this just total snake look on his face, and I just wanted to crush his head. And and I really, I really wanted to believe that it was a double setup. I want to believe. That Arya is following Littlefinger. Littlefinger knows that Arya is following him. And Arya knows that Littlefinger knows that she's following him. I really want to believe that because Arya is supposed to be this awesome ninja now. This awesome uh, reconnaissance ninja. But I I don't know that I can buy that. because I, really I don't think, either. I really think that Littlefinger is playing stab Arya. everyone anyway. Well, true. So there's a pretty good chance everyone that we don't want to – everyone that we want to get stabbed and a few people we don't want to get stabbed will probably get stabbed 
And well, I'm going to be mad you know, if Littlefinger gets Arya killed. Mm, me too. Um, you know, Joffrey was number one on Arya's list. So that it, it'll be interesting to see how that relationship further unwinds. And hopefully soon they'll figure it out. But Littlefinger's been doing this for a long time. He's yeah. really good at it. He is. And I'm I'm just I'm nervous for Arya. Oh, that that son of a gun. Give it a PG thirteen here. Because I want to say a lot of things about him. We already said the C word. Well, so. we're gonna bleep that out, so that's fine. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, He's gonna bleep it every time you say the word bleep. That's where the bleep is gonna appear. Oh, that's fine. I'm I'm a horribly incompetent editor. <laughs> Oh, man. So why don't you tell us what happens here to kind of close out the episode, Rob? Uh, in fact, I think theoretically you might get a bleep throughout the whole episode. He'll just like randomly bleep stuff that you say throughout the whole episode. That's possible. Bleep. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, going straight from my notes, um, uh, Tormund still wants the big woman. <laughs> I found that important enough to type out. And um, the hound... <laughs> Sorry, the Hound and Eric. <laughs> I can't read it without laughing. Why don't you uh, tell us what his name is, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> okay, first of all, I typed this up on an iPad, so there's an autocorrect situation I'm dealing with, and it's in the dark. I have so, to mute myself. The Hound and Eric Donsarian, <laughs> which is definitely not at all his name. Um, it is, uh, Eric Donsarian. <laughs> Eric Donsarian sounds like a guy you would go to high school with. We're looking for uh, Mr. Dondarian, and they are at East Watch. Uh, Barrick um, Dondarian. Yes, I yeah, Barrick Dondarian. Or is it East Watch? And they were they were brought there captured by some wildlings. Wildlings. So John John uh, meets the Hound, recognizes the Hound because the Hound is with uh, Thoros and Dondarian, and basically they all determine that they're all after the same thing. So they're like, "You want to come?" And <laughs> they're like. Oh, it's better than freezing in a dungeon. Let's go. <laughs> the same thing being a white, by the way. Yes. Yeah, one of these one of these undead critters. Yeah, I think it's important to note that, you know, as they're figuring this out, um Beric, Eric Sondarian says that I'm sorry, Beric Sondarian says that, you know, oh well, we also want to go beyond the well the wall because our master sent us there. The Lord of Light. Um, and the Lord of Light and the Hound being a recent convert. You know, they agree, like you said, they're on the same side, and they head out into the wild. With only mild protests from Gendry. Eh, just a little. And I believe all three of us had the same exact thought as they walked off into the snow and the fog and the cold. Like, like it, pa it paused, and then the screen went black, and you're like, no, don't you do it. Don't you roll those credits. Yeah. And then they I rolled the credits. My, my first thought after that was... I really should have waited until this coming Sunday to watch that before the episode that's coming up. Actually, my first thought was they're missing their proton packs because you got this epic, epic <laughs> view of them from behind as they're all walking into this white mist. And they're like in the V formation, like the mighty ducks. And they're just kind of walking out into the mist. And I'm like, oh, okay. there's two references for you guys. <laughs> there's something strange. Beyond the wall. Yeah. Who are you so, going to call? I, I did have a thought just in general. John Snow. Wow. Well, I did have a thought in general, and it's funny because, like, you know, every single website 
you know, as I'm as the research department is doing its work, you see websites from you know Vanity Fair and IO9 and Reddit and all these things having all of these ideas of like, oh well, when this happened, it symbolized that, or maybe the white they bring back is really going to be Mormont who died, or you know, just random thoughts. And well, didn't they like, burn Mormont's body? No, like the one that's still alive, like one of them is going to get bitten or hurt. I'm trying not to go down that route because what I was saying is I was going to say is there's like kind of three options here. It's either the showrunners are so far ahead of their game that they're either seeding us with all of these ideas and hints and references back to earlier episodes, or they're doing it to mess with us, or they've created such a deep show between the books and the show and all of the characters and all of the interactions that it just breeds all of these websites and well podcasts to be honest with you that just bring up these random ideas and it's one of the things that's like interesting but i'd rather just kind of let the show play out rather than like except for two words we need to see zombie dragon no zombie dragons no well think about it if they don't get zombie dragons this fight is over because what are the things that kill the whites the things that kill the whites are dragon glass Valerian fire. Valerian steel and mm -hmm. fire. And if you've got three dragons just strafing your army, laying down dragon fire, it's not going to go very well. <laughs> You're going to have to take out the dragons if you want to stand a chance. They have giants so, that can throw things at said dragon. Well, but they still the have giants to can throw other giants at the dragons. They still have to take out the dragons. So I think we're going to get zombie dragons. And I think we'll get ice-breathing dragons... And the dragons will be fighting the dragons while the horde fights the humans. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Zombie dragons. And I guess we'll see how that theory plays out. I think if there is such a thing as a zombie dragon, um, a certain person that I'm married to is going to actually murder Rob. <laughs> Rob Stark? No. He's already dead. Rob, Captain Podcast over here. This guy. Okay. Well, guys, I think so, that brings us to the end. does bring us to the end in so many ways. So I I can't believe we only have like what nine more episodes to go. Yeah, How many, is it two more? I think there's only like three? two left. Two more. There's two more. Now, what's really going to be disheartening? It, do either of you know how long we have to wait for next season? Do we have to wait a whole another year for the next season? I really hope not. I'm guessing. Ugh, make it Probably. stop. And we will make it stop right now. Okay, guys. So that's what we thought about the episode. Now you tell us what you think about the episode. You can tell us by emailing us at give me five podcast. That is at the at give me five podcast at gmail.com. That's F I V E spelled out. Of course, you can check us out on Twitter at give me five pod, or you can just send angry messages to Rob. Just title your messages. Zombie dragon. Search for us on Facebook at the Give Me Five podcast, F I V E, and also check us out on Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. Let's take that We're, from the top. Okay. Because that's going to be a bitch to edit. Okay. So. Zombie dragon.